This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. LeBron James always talk about strive for greatness, athletes strive for greatness, greatness in the world, athletic world sense. It's like you being exalted to your best degree, which is nothing wrong with that. But in the kingdom, to be great, God said, you're called to serve. Who serves that who's going to be the greatest in my kingdom? Yeah. The washing of the feet. I love that because it's, it's not cut and dry. everybody welcome to the calling i am richard clark an editor for christianity today today on the podcast i'm talking to juan pierre a former baseball player for well i'm just going to list these team names the colorado rockies the florida marlins chicago cubs los angeles dodgers chicago white Sox, philadelphia phillies so if you're a baseball fan between the uh years of 2000 and 2013 you've probably cheered for juan pierre's team it seems likely he's had a bunch of baseball related accomplishments in those 13 years not only did he play for seven different major league teams he stole a bunch of bases 614 bases he stole he was also the only base player in baseball to play every inning in all of his team's games in 2004 in other words, he was really, really good at baseball. Even still, maybe more important than his baseball accomplishments, during that period of time, he had also met his wife, and he found Christ. Now retired from pro baseball, having learned a ton from the sport about failure and excellence, Pierre's been doing a lot of thinking about service, what makes someone truly great, and how on earth one balances the expectations of family with the weight of a world, practically begging for your influence. But here's the crazy thing. Even as somewhat of a celebrity, Pierre finds himself fearful not so much of losing his platform, but as failing to tell his friends and family the whole truth about Jesus. To know the podcast, we talked to Juan Pierre about those things and more. But first, I wanted to tell you about CT Magazine. So CT Magazine is the way that we support this podcast by you subscribing to it. Um, if you wanted to read an article about play and sport and why those things are good and important, there's a really good article in our summer issue, which you will only be able to read if you're a subscriber. It's called, I Wasted My Time With This, So Should You, A Theology for the Dog Days of Summer. is by our editor-in-chief, Mark Galley. Please check it out. It's really good. Christianity Today magazine offers redemptive yet honest coverage of the people, events, and ideas shaping the church and culture. And as a subscriber each year... You'll get 10 award-winning print issues, tablet tablet versions of each issue, full web access to ChristianityToday.com, and online archives dating back to 1956. We've got a special page for you that will allow you to get a discounted subscription plus a bonus download created especially for our podcast listeners. Just go to orderct.com slash the calling. That's orderct.com slash the calling to subscribe. If you do that, you'll be supporting thoughtful, essential journalism and helping us to continue to produce episodes of The Calling every week. I was just listening to you talk to Morgan Mm -hmm. about baseball. Yeah. I love talking 
about why people like certain sports. Yes. I'm not a sports person, really. Mm -hmm. Like, I like uh, baseball at times. I don't watch it a lot. Yeah. Um, But when I do watch it. Are you from Chicago? No, I live in Chicago. Okay. So I guess that means, in that sense, I'm from Chicago. I'm originally from Alabama. Okay. So I'm actually a big, like, college. I was was born in Mobile. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, so I was, I grew up in Southeast Alabama. Okay. Eufaula is the name of the town. So I, uh, I grew, I grew up with college football mostly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you fan, cause I grew up in uh-huh. Louisiana. So awesome. The roll tide doesn't, doesn't work for nah, you. No, no, I didn't do it for me you. either. I'm and more it, Eagle. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I'm always fascinated by the reasons people like mm-hmm. certain sports. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like? specifically about baseball like what drew you to baseball number one my dad and I had an older brother uh-huh. that introduced me to it and we would just play wiffle ball you know backyard three two count world series just <laughs> dreaming um yeah. type deal and um the baseball is it's, it's such a hard game you have a round ball and a round bat and you're trying to square it up yeah uh, one of the hardest things to do in sports um and it's the camaraderie um, but just the, the the skill level you have to have the patience um, and it's life in general I believe because uh, if you get a hit three out of ten times you bat three hundred you'd mm-hmm. be like a hall of famer mm-hmm. that means you get out seven times like you fail it's a game of failure uh, like you're yeah. gonna fail yeah. like no doubt about it you're gonna fail you bat three hundred. What job that you'd be good 30% of the time that you you can keep? Yeah. <laughs> what <And> sport? <laughs> anytime, anytime I'm like watching a baseball game mm-hmm. in person, I'm all, which is very rare, but, <laughs> but it, it's happened a few times in the last few years. So okay. anytime that happens, I'm always amazed at the dynamics of that game. And one of the things that fascinates me is just this thing where people go up to bat after waiting for a very long time and like they do nothing yeah. to contribute to yeah. their team nothing which yeah. is weird yeah it's it's tough there's not many nights that you get you go to bat three times and get three hits <laughs> um, yeah. make every play in the field yeah. um, you come home and you win right it happened we played 162 games a year you might get one one like that one like that maybe yeah. personally yeah. that everything clicks and you do it because baseball you can get three hits but you might make an error in the field or something mm-hmm. that costs the game you know yeah um it's very rare so you deal with failure a lot in baseball and you not that you come immune to it but you learn how to deal with it because baseball is like okay you lose today guess what we got a game tomorrow mm. so whether you got three hits or you didn't get any hits yeah you gotta forget about it and you gotta go out there and perform tomorrow right. so it's no time to just sulk and be mad because yeah. if you do then you'll be over 20 for your next four games so yeah. it's a quick turnover and if you do good you can't be like, oh man i got four hits i can do you know because <laughs> next night you might go over four with four strikeouts right so right. it's just the daily battle the mind uh, after the season i would tell people mentally i was drained physically i felt fine but huh. mentally just having to go to the roller coaster rides of of, of performing in front of 30 40 000 people a night and then you got an extra yeah. million some watching so you yeah. may, and now social media came out like my last five years. So you get it on social media if you screw up. You better not go on social media because you got fans telling you how bad you stink. Yeah, so. and earlier when I was listening, you called it intimate, and that really struck me because that that is makes it even more emotionally draining when you're yeah you're succeeding and failing. It's like you're not 
the people are not watching a team play no. in any given moment of baseball. They're watching a guy, a guy do a thing. Think. Even when you're in the field, like the ball comes to one person, <laughs> yeah. and you either screw up or you don't. Or you don't, yeah. And that people, is intense. And you have a million sports reporters and all this stuff critiquing you on every <laughs> yeah. single thing. Replays. Yeah, replays. Oh, show man. it in super slow motion. That, like, like, that, like, is, that's terrifying Yeah, I didn't watch me. TV. Or read the newspaper when I played. Okay. Um, I didn't do social media, and that's why I tell these kids now because they, you know, and their phone is like they never leave it. So uh-huh. they're in the club out. They're always checking their phone. Like, man, it's hard enough to play this game. Yeah. Just with people and fans yelling at you and the reporters. Why get into it with people on social media too? Who, right, might just be doing it just to get under your skin, which uh-huh. mostly that's what they do. So I'm like, nobody wins on that social media with athletes and going back and forth. The every podcast we always start with this question: How would you define your calling? How would I define my calling? My calling is, I think, a general calling for everyone. I know me and my wife we really believe that, but my calling is to serve. Um, Jesus Himself came, said He said He came to serve. Mm-hmm. So I think that's mandate for every every Christian um, yeah. that walks the earth. You have to have a servant heart. What better example than we have is Jesus? Out of that serving, I think. He's pulling stuff out of me. Um, I know it's more than just to hit a baseball <laughs> and do that. Hence, that's why I'm here or we're talking right now. Sure. Um, I can't say. So I keep it simple. Baseball. Yeah. Sports. We keep it simple. We don't have to go dig too deep. Uh-huh. You know, I, I read the Bible. You know, I let the Holy Spirit um, allow me to understand it. Uh-huh. And then I go out and try to do it. That's it. That's so, going to make for a short podcast. That's it. That's it, man. That's <laughs> all right. Well, we're done. Uh, that's it. Thank, thank you for coming out. I'll be here all weekend. <laughs> uh, when, did, when did you come to Christ? Uh, it was in the spring of 2009. I was sitting in the chapel of, I was with the Los Angeles Dodgers then. And, okay. Um, I was sitting in the chapel, and I sat in chapels like that for eight years. I think I was eight years in the big leagues at that point, mm-hmm. and um, I heard the word of God uh to speak right through me um because at this point uh i love baseball more than god more than family like baseball became my idol mm. i signed a big deal for the los angeles dodgers um five years 44 million dollars much money i ever see i'm, I'm from louisiana get yeah. fifty thousand dollars you the richest man walking around my uh-huh. country town uh-huh. you know just get an f-150 and some levi's and i'm good some <laughs> cowboy boots um <laughs> And at that point, I played five straight years. We played 162 games a year. Okay. So five straight years of that. That's over 800-some straight games. And in 2008, I was set on the bench. Um, Didn't know what was going on, but that's when God started dealing with me, uh, calling me to himself. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it at the time. And then um, struggled through that 08 year, wasn't playing that much, ended up getting hurt the first time. And Mm. that all season opened up the Bible for the first time. And I was like, wow. I didn't understand nothing in it. Yeah. Like, I can't even pronounce these names, but uh, yeah. I just kept reading the Holy Spirit. I know now the Holy Spirit kept me saying, keep reading it. Um, and in 2009, I'm sitting in chapel like I did for eight years, just, you know, listen, pray for some hits. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Pray, so don't strike that, out. That was the motivation for you going to chapel was just uh, like to yeah. and, and I grew get up a little favor. I grew okay. up Catholic, so, yeah. you know, going to church, you know, every Sunday you kind of feel. Kind of doing the motions. Yeah, yeah, you're doing yeah. the ritual yeah. type. A uh, routine type deal, right? Um, and that's what it was because it was hard for us to get to church because we played every Sunday like at one o'clock, mm. which means we had to be there to feel like eight, or eight or nine in the morning. Um, so the chaplain started talking, and I'm like, man, it started like cutting right through me. Hmm. I'm like, wow, I'm 
touching my teammates. Hey, man, you hear this? They looking as dumb as I looked for eight years. So I'm like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. So I started talking to the chaplain, and he started meeting up, discipling me, and I ended up giving my Lord, my life to the Lord in mm-hmm. that spring of 2009. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was it about that story that struck you? Do you remember? Do you remember the, the or what was it that in that chapel service? Or was it just... Um, it was, it was, he was doing, he gave an, um, uh, now I think it was, number one, I think it's just my time to hear the word. Okay. Um, uh, but he was going over, um, like uh, looking at yourself in the mirror uh, and God having to, to mold you and break you down and do all these things for his image. Yeah. Like you see yourself, but he was like, he wants you to see God's image yeah. in you. So he has to wrestle and break. I just remember that. And I, that's yeah. where I was at in my life. I'm like, oh, that sounds yeah. just like me right now. Yeah. Um. So that's that's what I don't remember what, like what passage. Uh huh. That's what he was he was talking about. How have you handled the the church thing since you you do have to you had to play on Sundays? Like, wh- how do you how did you deal with that problem? Um, as as a plan, well, mm-hmm. um. You have chapel. You have Bible studies yeah. with the teammates. So, uh, you know, in church. To me now, it was well even back then it was easy because church is always about the people. Yeah, you know, um, we get caught up. I think in America, thing in church, mm-hmm. having to be the four walls. You go to church, um, but God says where the two or three are gathered. I mean, that's church. You know what I mean? I'm there with you, mm-hmm. and this is how I see it. I mean, I don't know. I think biblically, it, it's like that too. So it, you will gather with teammates, and you know that. And I grew up in the Catholic church, so I get that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't go to a church building. And right. I'm like, man, I got to go to confession. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's one of those things that was drilled in me. But as I read the scriptures and the Holy Spirit work, it's about the people. Yeah. I'm gathering with people. So your teammates, the seven or eight that did go to chapel, that became your community. Your community. Yeah. Um, and then in the off season, you would go find a home church and, and, and which made that kind of difficult you there like three right. months but you there but you're not really engaged yeah. like i'm about to leave so it was it was it was kind of uh crazy in that aspect but um just in my mind frame i always kept churches people the people the yeah. people and not necessarily going to the four walls so that was 2009 so it's been almost 10 years do you feel like you ever doubted that do you ever doubt your faith since then? Um, no, because I, like when I share my testimony, a lot of times I get choked up. Mm. I remember so vividly where I was yeah. and what I was thinking. You know how people say, man, no one can tell me that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you know exactly, and that's how yeah. I really felt. So now it's more of growing you know, in the word of God and, and, and just really seeing what his work but i never really questioned because i knew what i was mm-hmm. and like now i don't think that way and i know it was all god because if it was in my own power i wouldn't drew it i would have had less sleepless nights and crying and all this stuff as he was breaking me down and doing all this stuff so uh never questioned it because like i said i, I vivid like even just thinking about it, i can get chills cause i remember vividly sitting on the bench opening day Right. I think I was making $10 million that year in Dodger Stadium, Chavez Ravine, the mighty Dodgers team that Jackie Robinson played for, yeah. you know, Sandy Koufax, all this history. And I would have to go in the clubhouse because I didn't want people to pan the dugout and see me crying on the dugout. Huh. You know what I mean? And I, I, I can never forget that. In our broken world, it can be hard to see how Jesus is at work making all things new. That's why every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear through redemptive storytelling and global reporting. 
whether it's a pastor in Brazil who uses CT in Portuguese to lead his ministry, or a young believer who wants to think biblically about our culture, CT comes alongside believers to illuminate what it looks like to follow Jesus in today's world. Jesus is transforming his world. CT is equipping his church. Give a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com slash equip. So it seems like um, God saved you because of that. God used that struggle mm-hmm. to save you, that, that baseball-related struggle, like yeah. a lot of struggling with failure and, um, and just like success mm-hmm. and those sort of things. How did your relationship to baseball change after you uh, came to Christ? Um, it changed a lot. on the field. It didn't change as much because okay. I still wanted to be an assassin. I was out there to cut your throat. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You weren't like, like suddenly no, nice to the other team. That's what drew me away from Christ a little bit because Christians on the team before I was saved, uh-huh. they were so, oh, God is going to handle it, man. Let's just go. I'm like, man. <laughs> Like, yeah. are you kidding me with this? So uh-huh. uh, I actually started a T-shirt and stuff. It was called Beast Mode. Um, and it started first before I was saved. And then mm-hmm. actually, after I got saved, I put the T on the beast as a cross. Huh. Um, because after I started reading the Bible for myself, I'm like, Jesus was a beast. <laughs> like, I yeah. was telling God, I'm like, if Jesus had to pitch inside and maybe hit somebody, um, he would do it. He might lay hands on him after, but uh-huh. he called us to be like, <laughs> so That's that weird. was my biggest thing. I'm like, I'm going to go even harder because I know I'm representing God out on the field. Yeah. So if I don't run balls out, I don't play hard. I'm like, that's not a good reflection of God on the field. It didn't change. But now what changed was like, okay, maybe I went over four bad night, made an error, just mad. Just, just want to go home and do whatever. Um, you started looking at uh, other teammates and see what they're struggling with. Yeah, I might be over four, but this guy might be over ten. You know, how can I encourage him? How can I be there for him? How can I take him to, you know, breakfast and lunch on the road and you know just talk to him and build a relationship with him? Yeah, that's what changed. Cause I was so focused on me when yeah. I played. Yeah, like all right, how am I gonna be ready for the game? How am I gonna be? you know, uh, give the best. And it was all in the team concept because I know if I was prepared and did what I needed to do personally, mm-hmm. then it'll help the team win. Yeah. The game is a, it's a personal game, but it's played by indiv- – game played by individual and a team concept. Baseball is. So, yeah. uh, but that's how most it changed. Like I started looking at, you know, teammates, coaches, media, anybody around the thing, like actually caring about – what was in their life or what was going on. Um, that was the biggest thing. That, it's that interesting the way that you talked about that, because what I expected you to say was when I wasn't doing what other people would say is um, even Christians was when I learned that when I was not doing well, it wasn't about success. I would mm-hmm. learn it was about more than that. And mm-hmm. I had other things, but you very specifically turned your focus to other people Mm -hmm. which so you never that wasn't you before before you were saved no no not necessarily not like intentionally doing Mm -hmm. it you kind of may have did it you're like oh man let's go whatever you know me but intentionally trying to uh ultimately show the love of christ you know where you know you got a lot of good guys around oh he's a good guy you know what i mean that in the mass of eternity that's that don't get you anywhere. It, yeah. Being a good guy don't get you saved. It's right. you know, uh, giving your life to the Lord and letting Jesus work in you. So, I wasn't. I couldn't say I was like a bad teammate because I always worked hard. I was like cool with everybody. So, sure. um, but my mind, my mind, you know, mentally, like knowing 
why am I going to help this guy? Because mm-hmm. God loved me. He saved me while I was yet a sinner. Like, how can I help this guy? Number one, number one is to hopefully show the love of Christ that he can come to Christ if he's not. And if he is a believer, you just encourage. Yeah. Hey, man, you know what we're fighting for. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's for God um, and Jesus. And if he's not a believer, you're like, hey, man, you know, this is what gets me through. Uh-huh. This is what helps me out. Um, you know, and baseball world is it's hard. How you tell a guy, I was one, making five, ten, twenty million dollars a year, mm-hmm. has all this the thing the world said you need to have, and mm-hmm. tell him, hey man, you need Jesus in your life. You know? Yeah. It's hard to do. And I'll tell you one thing, I got saved with the Dodgers. I ended up getting traded to the White Sox. 2010. And I started back playing every day. I'm like, oh thank God. And 2010 was probably the statistically the worst year of my of my career huh. like i didn't play it i did well i'm gonna say i, did, I was just bad yeah. i did well i did my thing but by my standards i'm like man this year was you know what i mean uh-huh. i'm like because then you had those thoughts like well man i played much better when i was in the world now huh. you know what i mean yeah. you, then that's yeah. kind of play with your mind You're like man i'm giving in, in this habit and that's when the maturity part and that came later yeah. You know, yeah. the maturity part is like... That's when you start to doubt a little bit, yeah, right? Like, yeah, you yeah. start to doubt... When you success, but you're, you're some, there's some give and take there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know kind of what it is. Like, it's not all about you performing well. Yeah. But as an athlete, you train. You don't ever train to be like, okay, I'm going to train to make for it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I think God knows that. Um, But sometimes he has to dig and work in you however he works. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, But yeah, you start to doubt, but you know, like, once you... Like what I've been through, I'm like, there's no way I'm going back to that just to get hits yeah. or, you know. Yeah. Did Did your teammates notice the difference? Um, They did. Like yeah. I said, it wasn't a big difference because, like, I never smoked. Yeah. I never drank. I never party like that. There weren't, but, like, obvious superficial yeah, vices. Yeah, because I was, it, was, it wasn't done biblical. It was just, like, I got you ready for baseball. Yeah. Like, I can't mess, go out all night and be able to play. Uh-huh. Like, it's funny how God used baseball to save me from a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, totally. And then he used baseball to bring me to himself yeah you know so it's kind of crazy so it wasn't that drastic change which was pretty good because i kept the relationship with those guys because mm-hmm. it wasn't like i was going out drinking and smoking with them they're like oh no one doesn't drink and smoke anyway so he you know what i mean so that kept me friendship because like if i did drink and smoke with these guys and then i get saved and stop doing it maybe would have showed them god more but like maybe would have put some of them away where yeah. i wouldn't even have to be able to have a relationship with them so yeah. it kind of and then it challenged me because now I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to drink. I'm not hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because, oh, one likes baseball. He's not doing it now. It's because Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, but now for me, it was a challenge because now I got to tell him. Yeah. You know, it's okay when I'm just doing my thing. I'm, I love the Lord. Nobody needs to know that much, you know. But now it's like, okay, God was like, now you have to tell him. How did it change the rest, the sort of the rest of your life? After, oh, man, it changed. Baseball? Because one of my hangups, um, as probably most athletes, as opposed to most men, were women, not treating women with respect, uh, mm. not like disrespectful, like hitting them or nothing like that, just, um, you know, sexually, just, mm-hmm. you know, doing whatever with a woman, not even thinking of, of them. Um, now I'm married, mm-hmm. have three little boys. Yeah. Oh, uh, that wouldn't have happened. How long were you married? I got married in 2010. Okay. So a year after your yeah yeah and she actually got saved the same time I got saved oh, that's we cool. dated uh, seven years two thousand three huh. um, but you know so a lot of so talent. you guys were dating when you came to Christ 
Yes. And she came to Christ around the same time. Yes. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It kind of like God broke us away for a minute. Okay. We were, I wasn't doing right by her. Okay, um, yeah. But she was still like a good girl, but she wasn't like, she was just a good girl. Yeah. But then she grew up Catholic as well. Uh-huh. Um, so we like separated for like a year mm-hmm. and God was dealing with me on my end and God was dealing with her on her end and we came back together and and then we just... I'm like, let's get married. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, somewhere in the box, it's better to get married and live with lust. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. You familiar yeah. with that one? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, yeah. um, but it was been good. So we got three little boys. My wife's name is Liz. Um, she actually worked for the Marlins in 2003 to five when I played for them. She was okay. in like the uh, marketing department. Yeah. So, uh, but that's one big way. Right. And that was the one testimony for a lot of my teammates that I invited to the wedding. Mm. They're like, well, one's getting married. Like, I was a big advocate of never getting married. Yeah. Like, I'm never getting married. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I was a big advocate of that. And then the Lord, like, you know what I mean? Then they got an invitation. Yeah. 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 So it was, that was a good deal, <laughs> man. That was, that was one they conceived of drastic change. That's awesome. Did you yeah. get feedback from that? Like, um, yeah. 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 A lot of guys, like, like when I told them, yeah. Like, what? You get married? Yeah. Hey, everybody. I just want to interrupt this episode of The Calling to tell you about another podcast that is part of Christianity Today. It's called Quick to Listen. It features our editor, Morgan Lee, and our editor-in-chief, Mark Galley, talking about the latest sort of like hot topic issue of the day and bringing really some sanity to that issue. Um, most recently, they did talk about sports. They talked about um, football in particular and how football culture shapes Christian colleges. That was sort of in, lights, in light of a, a recent Wheaton College football news item that came out. You can, you can uh, find that and a bunch of other episodes. There's one way in... Um, there's, one, there's a few others about sports on there. You could check out if you're interested in sports. Go take a listen. Some really good food for thought. Back to the interview. So, who was the uh, who was the person who like most inspired you? Uh, not just in baseball, but mm-hmm. in general, and working out your calling. Um, Pastor Chad, that's the one. Um, his name is Pastor Chad Johnson. He's a white dude from Arizona. Uh-huh. So Chad Johnson is a famous wide receiver called Ocho Cinco. For uh, he played for the NFL alone, so we call him Ocho just to mess with him. <laughs> um, but he was the chaplain uh-huh. that gave that message, and he walked me through a lot of scriptures. Uh, mm. We go eat a lot. Um, just helped me understand the Bible. Um, led me to the Lord, and um, really grateful for him. I got a pastor now in my home church, Pastor York. Mm-hmm. Spoke a lot of truth in me, um, loved on me, um, modeled a uh, man, a uh, husband that loves his wife and his kids. I saw that in him. Um, so those two guys basically, as far as spiritual, um, really, really helped me uh, come along and mature in my faith. Do you have a lot of, like, Christian friends in the baseball world? Of some. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, guys I played with and guys you know maybe uh, that you know of a Christian because they had a big conference every all season called PAO. All the Christians from baseball would come to a conference. Well, not all, but guys that would want to come. So you get to know guys. But, yeah, you definitely have 
I have more friends that's not saved, I would say that, though, than than saved in the baseball circle. This hasn't come up yet, but I just got, like, someone just started listing things that you do in addition to all the stuff you've talked about so far. It's mm. an impressive list. Like, it sounds like you do a lot of service that you're <laughs> maybe hesitant to talk about, but it's, it seems like, to me, like you do you do a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, that you're paying back in some way. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, or paying it forward. I yeah, guess. yeah, paying forward. It's one of the things when I when I read the Bible, like we're talking about, our calling is serving. Um, um, I think that's the heart of me and my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife definitely has a heart to serve, especially the homeless. She's worked in a homeless shelter before we got mm. married. Um, so we we go out, you know, with our church. Um, Tuesdays and Fridays and pass out meals to the homeless mm-hmm. pray with them um, share devotion with them just do whatever we can and I get it a lot because it's in Miami so a lot of people because we just go around the street mm-hmm. no fanfare yeah. tell got no Instagram tweet none of that just go out there <laughs> you don't have a camera yeah, yeah, phone, a camera and selfie with this homeless guy <laughs> telling hey look at me I'm serving you yeah. know what I mean that's why I don't really like to talk about it but that's just the raw part of it is that we just go out, peanut butter and jelly, we start it, and mm-hmm. people come along and now cook and do that stuff. But it's a matter of us serving. Like, okay, how can I help this person? Like, we have need. We have an abundance. And if we didn't have an abundance, like, the serving part of it, I think God modeled it the best, man. Jesus yeah. modeled it the best. He came to serve. He said, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Uh, LeBron James, I was talking about strive for greatness, athletes strive for greatness, greatness in the world, athletic world sense. It's like you being exalted to your best degree, which is nothing wrong with that. But in the kingdom, to be great, God said you are called to serve. Who serves that is going to be the greatest in my kingdom, yeah. the washing of the feet. I love that because it's, it's not cut and dry. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to go too deep in there. The man washed his feet. and The man. Jesus washed the feet and yeah. said, hey, I'm giving you an example. You go out there and do the same just as I've done to you. So that just having that servant heart, do stuff on the kids with the basketball courts. I love basketball like my first love. Right. I just didn't grow any. Um, so I'm like, <laughs> I better try to get a baseball shot. Um, well, we go hoop out on the courts with these kids, kind of in the hood. Afterwards, we do a devotion that, that led to them coming over to the house, us loving on them. A lot of guys didn't have dads. Um, yeah. In the middle of, you know, you have probably drugs being sold out there. And, you know, it's not a good environment. But these guys, we get anywhere from 15 yeah. to 20 guys come here to gospel. And it's all God. Because I tell you, I know it's not nothing I'm saying that would uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Chris spur somebody to come hear me talk. Yeah. Because I'm not a, a, a graceful speaker. I'm blessed with that. Hey, I just see it in the Bible and I try to try to do it, man. Right. But it's just about serving. What was your family life like? Good. I had a mom and a dad. My mm-hmm. dad was Catholic. My mom was Baptist. Okay. But we was raised Catholic. Um, they're still married. They've been married 40-some years now. I've wow. lost count. Yeah. Yeah. Um, got a brother and a sister. Uh, uh, but like I said, we grew up Catholic. So, you know, we know of God. We did the sacraments. Mm-hmm. We did all the Holy Communion and all that stuff. But it was never no personal relationship. Yeah. Um, so, But I had a mom and a dad. Mm-hmm. Um had a good childhood. I didn't like live in the, the projects or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. My dad worked for Bell South, which is like AT and T now. Yeah. My mom was a preschool teacher, so uh, we didn't have a lot. But I didn't never like want anything as a kid. You know, I wouldn't. I didn't get the Jordans or nothing. But right. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just get some regular Nikes, okay? Uh-huh. Like, All right. All right, mom, dad. But that's basically my childhood. 
since you came to Christ, um, what has been your biggest struggle? Just to consistently walk in with someone um, because you, you hear uh, how to, dis- you know, try to disciple people as I was disciple, how I was, um, especially with wife and kids. And mm. Try to balance that because yeah. you got to take care of home. But yeah. God calls us to go out. So it's that 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 fine line, I think. Not fine, but, you know, being there for your wife and your kids and also going out and minister and helping others. I think that's the one I'm trying to pray for wisdom and discernment. Cause a lot of stuff I want to do in my mind, but I'm like, Oh, well I'll be, you know what I mean? And, you know, talking to my wife and, and trying to navigate <clears throat> through that, so to speak, but um, keeping the, the, the servant heart once again, but knowing when and when not to, to do it because it tells you, you can't, go out there and not save others, but be a light to others. And you can't take care of your own home and be there for right. your kids and family. So, so uh, you're dealing with the tension of like the potential of reaching out to a bunch of people, right? Like yeah. having access to a lot of people who want to listen to you. Right. But then having your own people here. Yeah. That's like a thing that I feel like under the surface, I'm sensing from a lot of people mm-hmm. that I talk to who have, who have bigger, platforms Mm -hmm. is that that uh whether they say it out loud or not Mm. there's like there's clearly like a inherent tension of like spending all the time that opportunity is Mm. really tempting right Mm. that opportunity to do the work of god even good work Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um outside of the home outside of the family Mm -hmm. can easily it seems like draw people away Mm -hmm. not just not away away but like yeah. yeah And I, shift I, focus. Shift focus. And, yeah. and me, it's not like me. I'm trying to inspire to be like this great whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, like I said, I, I, I can be content with just being at the basketball court and the homeless, yeah. but just being more, maybe more available to them. Right. Um, and I think Francis Chan spoke on it about like your family, the uh, family and your wife is, is it's, it's missional. Yeah. Like uh, it's a byproduct, the happiness, the love you. Like it's a byproduct, but your main focus as a couple is on God and being a mission for God. Um, so being on that same page. Mm, yeah. So you like, know what I mean, so it's not, I mean, marriage, so all is of you sort of focused outward. Yeah. You together. all of you focus yeah. in which we do. Like yeah. we bring our kids out to the homeless. They know them, they pray for them yeah, we'll be at cool. night. They pray for them. We do a lot of stuff together, yeah. especially for my kids with the situation they have. They have way more stuff at five years old than I had my whole life, you know, just because <laughs> yeah. of the, yeah. the lifestyle they're growing up in. But I wanted to make sure my oldest son is Joshua. He's five. Uh-huh. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, where is this guy going to sleep? I'm like, he's going to sleep right there on the street. Bro. Right. Like, what you have is not, a lot of people don't have that, yeah. you know. So I really try to drill in them and, and, and realize that. Um, people not as fortunate you are and why you're fortunate and blessed you have to go out here and give and bless to others so I use that as an opportunity but like when you're on the same page and it, it blew my mind I was just talking about the order of family it's like a divine thing the family was to be to go out there and help others you know what I mean you kind of always people try to separate you know your family and then what you do kind of thing you know and I believe it's all missional um, where you know maybe it is easy for us to hey, have a family night, whatever, but what if this person don't have anybody? Like, mm. We have to invite them over, mm-hmm. you know, which invades on your territory. Yeah. But this is what God calls us to do. We, as baseball players, athletes, we always say, man, baseball is easy. Anybody could do it. Right. It's not. I think the same way with Christian life. Yeah. Like living it out. If it was easy, anybody, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. 
It's not. It's that sacrificial giving of yourself. You know, okay, you say, oh, Saturday, I'm going to go out. Okay, you play out that Saturday, which is great. But what about if you get the phone call where you just with your wife, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, I need, you know, this guy really, you know, and she's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Bring him over. And sometimes you have to say no. It's not. Yeah, what are your boundaries? Do you know. have do you have set in stone boundaries or are you just No, not really. We kind of talk about it and you yeah. know or if something pops up, yeah. I'll discuss with my wife or that's why you got to stay in the spirit. You got to pray for discernment, yeah. pray for God's wisdom, fast. Yeah. Do all those things so your spirit, you're in tune when stuff come up, God could be like, "Yeah, go do it." My thing is I hate making decisions. Do you? Like I have decision fatigue. I oh, guess p- partially because of my my job, there just happens to be a lot of decisions that need okay. to be made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I like setting things in place so that I don't have to make. make decisions. Decisions. I like systems. Yeah, well, that, I'm right there that with make you. those decisions yeah. for me. I think as men, we do like that. Yeah. Because like with our wives, we get frustrated with our wives. Just tell me what to do. Right. And <laughs> yes, it's done. True. Just tell me what I have to said do. That a million Just times. Just tell me exactly what yeah, it is. Totally. Don't try to have me figure it out. Yeah. You tell me it's done. It'll be done yeah. before you even wake up. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you leave it to me, sometimes I can pick up on it. Yeah. Sometimes I can't, man. You know, men are cut and dry. They yeah. say women talk in circles. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be like, babe, you know, what are we having for dinner tonight? Well, you know, I went to the grocery store and then I ran in and so like, like, no, I just want to know what, like, what are we having? Can yeah. you just say chicken? Mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. that's a challenge as being a husband and stuff like that so i think we're all in it but we're called to make those decisions especially those tough ones yeah as men mm-hmm. you know go back to adam and eve yeah you know um so that's why i think it's that struggle i think that's the plot of the the enemy sometimes to have the man because sometimes i get like baby you you, you make the you choice. figure it out you figure yeah. it out what would you say is your deepest fear my deepest fear one of my deepest fears is to run across people or live life with people, people that I actually know. Um, and they run into me like 10 years from like, I don't really share the gospel or I live, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. they don't, you don't really break it down to them like grace and truth, give mm-hmm. them the truth behind the gospel. And they run down like 10 years from now and be like, hey man, what's going on? I'm saying, why you didn't tell me, man? Uh, why didn't you, Yeah. you know what I mean? Why yeah. didn't you, like I could have died. You know what I mean? Huh. And not not knowing it's all on me, but you know yeah. the certain ones where you're like, man, you know, you know, um, that's one of my biggest fears. And a lot of like my family members, it's not safe. Like, yeah, that's a fear of mine. Anybody, yeah. but especially, you know, people, you know, but that's one of my biggest fears that people are going to hell and don't even know it. You know what I mean? That's, you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it's because you always hear, "Oh man, I'm praying, hopefully Jesus come back soon, man. Mm-hmm. Hurry up and get it." I'm like, that's a selfish statement. Like I know a lot of people that I don't want Jesus to come back right now because mm-hmm. I know where they're gonna be going. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know what I mean? But you, the lifestyle they live is like, I don't you'd know. Have a hunch, yeah, yeah, you'd have a hunch, you know. And I'm like, nah, I, I want to see everybody, which I know some people are gonna choose to go there. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a fear of mine that the people I'm associated with, like you really know. Right. Um and some you can really know when you do it and you know they, the choice is theirs. God has to work on we have no power to like physically save anyone, but I remember when my dad so this is getting really heavy, sorry. Yeah. No, my no. dad had cancer. He mm-hmm. was he it was it was it was like the countdown, like yeah, he yeah, was yeah. gonna die. Mm-hmm. And um he was not a Christian. Mm-hmm. And um just have just having to think that was the first time I was faced with that fear. Mm. Um, 
having asked my question, the questions like, has, has he heard the gospel? Have I shared the gospel? Should I share again? Mm. How many times? I remember having a conversation with my mom, like that's a really hard, that's a hard thing to wrestle with because you, you can't just always, you can't just go, Hey, it's Monday. Yeah. Time to share the gospel. gospel. Yeah. 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 Cause then it's kind of silly. But the thing that I, I kept thinking was, I know he's heard it. Mm. I know he's heard it from both of us. So now he's thinking about it. Mm. Now he's sitting with it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, and yeah. So the best I could do was like live it in mm. front of him in some ways, which yeah. I did yeah. in a flawed sense. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah like, that fear is real, yeah, you know, especially real. when you're confronted with it. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, you know, especially after you share the gospel and they know where you're coming, right? And if the gospel you're sharing mm-hmm. and your lifestyle mesh, yeah, then I believe, like, it has a deeper effect. Than yeah. You're saying one thing and your lifestyle totally. is still only different. And even when your family member, they know you. I think yeah. that's why it's, for me, like, with family members, it's like they know all about me. They've walked. Uh-huh. all the way through yeah um and they can see definitely see a difference mm. but then they may well that's just one that's just you know what i mean right you right. know it's like no man yeah. no last question for you if you could um get into a time machine mm. go back in time mm. step out of that time machine and introduce yourself to yourself mm. what would you tell him what would i tell him mm-hmm. wow man i would probably be like i would tell myself like love God and love I will tell people I wasted my 20s I didn't get saved till I think it was 30 32 huh you feel like they were wasted I don't feel like they were wasted because I had number one I wasn't married okay I was single even ministry stuff you think back like oh I could have been doing I don't have a wife okay I could have went here I could have shared here you know what I mean and I wouldn't say wasted my 20s because God uses everything for the good right I can see where he used those 20s now yeah you know, but like thinking back, I'm like, I could have saved myself a lot of heartache. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. Uh, and like to be able to be available to others and because I, I was making a whole lot of money and I wasn't given. I mm. wasn't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're doing it now. So God, you know, but like the redeeming the time. So I tell all the guys in your 20s, like, man, the young, the youngest you could get serving God and knowing God intimately and personally making him your Lord and Savior is the better off you would be. Yeah. Um, and that's what I would tell myself. Um, play the game of baseball, love it. He's put that spirit in me to love it, uh-huh. but don't love it more than God. Use it as a platform to help others and, and do all these type things. Um, and I did stuff, you know, you do charity work, you do all this stuff, but it wasn't biblically centered. It's you pass out food, you do that, but it wasn't, hey, God loves you, this is why we're here doing it. It was just Oh, he's a nice guy. He's passing out food type deal. Or teams always ask you to go during Christmas time and yeah. pass out toys. Yeah. But it was just being like a nice guy, so to speak. Right. There wasn't no weight behind it as far as I know when I meet Jesus, I can't say, oh, look, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It wasn't nothing biblical about that. So uh, I would tell myself to um, sit under God, learn from him, trust him. Um, and the earlier you do that, the, the better off you will be. You've been listening to The Calling. Juan Pierre can be followed on Twitter at JPBeastMode. Remember to rate and review the show on iTunes. It helps us a lot. The Calling is produced by Richard Clark and Morgan Lee. It's edited by Jonathan Clausen. Theme music by Lee Rosevere. He's under Creative Commons 4.0.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.